World's Finest Podcast, Episode 7. I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. How are you, sir? I'm all right. That's good. That's good. Um, are you going to see The Simpsons this weekend? Uh, probably not this weekend. I am going to go see it, just because, mainly because of the Batman teaser. But uh, you know, I feel, you know, my fandom of the first, you know, nine, ten seasons of The Simpsons compels me to go see it. But what I'm going to do is, there's a theater right nearby us that lets you leave within 30 minutes, no questions asked, and they'll give you a full refund. So when The Simpsons is there, we're going to go, we're going to watch the Dark Knight trailer, and then we're going to promptly walk out. I, don't, I have no desire to see The Simpsons movie. As you said, after the ninth season, maybe the tenth. Part tenth of the tenth had, isn't so bad. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a 60-40 in terms of good to bad ratio, I think, in season ten. But then after that, it's unquestionably bad. And, you know, I'm, I may I may or may not write a review of The Simpsons movie for the main page if, if I can... Have the you know if I can find the time to do it, then I probably will. Just because you know it can be one of those things where it's it's almost like a retrospective of you know this is where how many what nineteen twenty seasons now there this is where it's led up to. Let's see what's you know what it it, it it's like. I have some emails to read. Okay, great. Um, let's see. The first one is from a fellow named Mike. I swear I didn't write this one myself. <laughs> and uh, he simply says, I love your podcast. It's a great original idea that nobody wants to tackle, and I look forward to your podcast each week. Keep up the great work, and I'm listening. So thank you, Mike, for sending that in. Uh, yes, thank you, thank you. You know, uh, it, it's words like these that keep us going. Now, you remember last time I read an email from a fellow named Nick? Mm-hmm. Well, he wrote back, and he says, uh, I was re-listening to the previous episode where you mentioned where you made the statement, Batman can't beat Superman, Wonder Woman, or the Martian Manhunter. He's a human. He's referring to something I said, I believe. And then he continues, you are right on one part. Yes, he is a human, but the reason he has to be defensive and has to know their weaknesses is because outside of his territory of Gotham City, he's out of his element. The majority of the world is patrolled by people with extraordinary powers, and one of the thoughts that goes through Bat's head is, who's going to protect the world in case they go off the deep end? And then he has a PS that says in the last episode, your review of Robin's Reckoning was good, but I felt you guys were way too negative over the others, especially the Laughing Fish. Aside from Be a Clown, it's one of the best Joker episodes. <laughs> well, and that was kind of the uh, the overall consensus on the forums, too, wasn't it? Oh, that yeah. I love the Laughing Fish so much. Yeah, it seems like every time we review a Joker episode, we just basically lambast it. I mean, I think we've maybe been favorable, favorable towards two Joker episodes, and it yeah. seems like no matter how bad we think the Joker episodes are, everybody loves them. They're going to rate them an 8, 9, or a 10, or some high score that we just completely disagree with, and it turns into this big thing at the forums. And I love it. I love the fact that, you know, we've got guys like uh, Mixie and Malpractice writing these essays as as posts, and it, it hurts me that I can't respond to them. 
you know, James, you know this. I've said it to you off the air. But I put a lot of time into Earth, too. I mean, you guys don't realize how much time I put into it when it comes to, you know, sending emails, making sure we're getting press re- press releases, making sure we're getting preview comics that we can review on the show and on the site, and just, you know, making contacts and just all these various things. You honestly don't realize how much time I put into the show, into the show and the site. And that prevents me from responding to those posts. And I, I hope Mixie and Malpractice and anybody who posts at the site, or uh, at the forums, I should say, doesn't think that I'm dodging their posts, and then they think, oh, this site's a waste of time, and then they go away, because I don't want that. I just, I just want to make it clear that I want to respond, I just don't have the time to. But please keep posting the way you guys are, because I love seeing posts like that. I absolutely love it, because it means you guys are as invested in this as we are. You know, and, and if I ever have like a half an hour, an hour to actually just respond to those posts, trust me, I will. But until then, I kind of just have to let them sit there. And I, I, like I said, I do feel bad for that. You know, getting back to the other point in the email, though, that Batman shouldn't be able to beat the, the metahumans, especially the ones who are almost unto gods, like Superman, Wonder Woman, and Martian Manhunter. Now, how do you feel about that? Oh, and I would even add Green Lantern. Definitely. Unless, you know, there's a way that he could just blind every Green Lantern there is, then there's no way he should be able to take him on. Mm-hmm. That, that ring is the most powerful weapon in, in the universe. So, uh, I completely agree. You know, I'm, I'm going to read, I printed out the response that I wrote, Nick, and I want to read it on the air. I say, uh, Nick, Batman is very much like Lex Luthor in that regard. You know, uh, re, can we trust otherworldly heroes? And I agree that it makes sense for him to have means in which to fight them, but beating them is another story. Martian Manhunter and Superman could fry Batman from outer space. Flash could break every bone in Batman's body before bats would gasp in pain. Wonder Woman could rip him asunder. And I should, and I, and I noted, I said, I'm not saying they would, but that they could. And then I continue with, I fully understand that DC has to protect Batman, but it's gone too far, in my opinion. Uh, as good as The Dark Knight Returns is, it set a nasty precedent. Since then, Batman, or at least his plans, in the case of, like, uh, a JLA Tower of Babel... Oh, yes, one of my favorite stories. Right, it's, it, it's a truly excellent story. He or his plans have bested nearly every member of the JLA, and I could see him beating one or two. That's fine, I understand that. But the entire team, I just, I just can't believe that Batman would be able to take out everybody on that team. And that, that's where I stand. I, I, I don't think he could beat Superman. I don't think, as you said, Green Lantern, there's just almost no way. He'd either have to blind him or cut off his hand uh, like in, in, an, yeah. in, in, in a heartbeat to, to hope that his, that his strike was faster than Hale or whoever was the Green Lantern at the moment could think of whatever weapon they needed. Um, yeah. There's just no way that there's a certain people he's not going to beat. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. Sorry, have to agree. Our first episode today is Night of the Ninja. Our plot here involves Wayne Enterprises' various uh, subsidiaries, companies, being robbed by a mysterious figure who can only be described as a ninja. Uh, and Batman and Robin, though mostly Batman, discover that the ninja is actually somebody named Kyodai Ken who used to train with Bruce Wayne and really just beat the crap out of him when they were studying martial arts uh, as youngsters in Japan. So, uh, as we go along in the episode, we find out that Bruce exposed Kyodai's attempt to rob the dojo way back then, got him expelled, and now he's back for revenge. So this is why he's 
uh, robbing Wayne Enterprises. I think that's about it. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. What did you... Uh, I think you like this one a little more than I do, so why don't you start with this one? Well, I like, first off, that this is... I think this is the first episode where we really get to see... Bruce Wayne's training, isn't it? I believe it is. I know later on we'll get to meet uh, Zatanna and her father. I think his name is Zatara. Um, I I think we maybe get one or two other flashbacks to his training, but this is definitely the very first time we see Bruce Wayne doing anything that would lead him to become Batman. The martial artist Batman. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't think we've Um, seen any flashbacks to any training thus far, have we? Right. No, I don't think so. Okay, I didn't think so. We only get to see things like psychologically visions where he's screaming over the deaths of his parents and stuff like that. Right, yeah. At this point, yeah, we know why he's Batman. We just haven't seen him, you know, go through the steps to become the Batman. Yeah, we see the mental Batman, but not the physical. Yeah. And and moreover, I like that uh, this is really an episode where in the second half we see that Bruce Wayne cannot fight or show any of his martial arts prowess against Kyodai Ken after he's kidnapped uh, Summer Gleason and himself uh, for fear of revealing the secret identity. I thought that, was, you know, I, I really like that kind of stuff. It's like it's like when Alfred's in danger and he's always got a, that's always a, uh, you know, a danger that he might re- accidentally have his secret identity revealed. Yeah, see, that's kind of one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to any sort of superhero or masked hero uh, television show or comic book or anything. It's just, it's it's a little cliched, and it's like, look, if you're really a hero and you want to save yourself and this woman, you'll just do what you have to do, and you'll just act the part, you know? You'll just you'll just become Batman and forget it, forget it if Summer Gleason exposes you. But in my opinion, I think it worked only because of Rob. Right, yeah. I think he was a real, he was a real unsung hero of this episode. Yeah. All throughout, you know, just his, his, all his sarcasm all throughout the episode. And, oh, yeah, Robin uh, is on in this episode. He simply is, uh-huh. This they really get Robin in this episode, that he is the lighter half of the duo. You know, he's making the jokes, he's, he, he's there to keep Batman, uh, you know, from stepping over the edge. Um, and, and it comes through in this. And he's, he's his partner. He's not his sidekick. He's his partner, because he saves Batman's hide at least twice in this episode. So mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you there. No, that was that was. I'm glad you said all that because that's what led into me about the, um, speaking about the Robin thing. Uh, and I re I don't know. I liked when uh, Robin is infiltrating. I guess the uh, building uh, that Bat or that Bruce Wayne and Summer Gleason are being held captive mm-hmm. in. The face off on the roof between Robin and Kyodai. I was like, wow, uh, Batman was getting his ass handed to him by this guy, so you you really wonder what's going to happen yeah. to Robin. It's kind of a it's kind of a I don't know I don't know how to describe it. It's a weird moment, but I liked it because it's like wow. You think Robin can stand toe to toe with this guy? Yeah, I, I I didn't even think about that when you, when I was watching it. But you got a very good point there. It's you know Batman is simply better than Robin. There's you, there's you can't sidestep that fact. So you know Robin's going to get his ass handed to him, and he does. I mean, Kyoto Ken smashes the water tower, and Robin's swept away. Did you catch, uh, I guess it was early in the episode, uh, Batman referring to Bruce Wayne in the third yes, person? Yes, I did! I thought that was weird, but kind of yeah, cool I don't in a remember way. when it happened, but I do have it in my notes right here. I have Batman speaks to Bruce Wayne, or speaks of Bruce Wayne in third person, and then in uh, parentheses I have to Robin. Do you remember what the scene was? I just, 
It was in the Batmobile. When they were uh, they were driving uh, along, weren't they? Yeah. And he says, uh, mm-hmm. shoot, yeah, he says, he talks about... Oh, he and, uh, it's like, he trained with Bruce Wayne in Japan or something. I think it, that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was a really weird moment. Like, dude, you are Bruce Wayne. Along those same lines, Dick calls Batman Bruce when they're in the cave. And he does it in another episode... Later on, I think he does it in the, uh, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? He does yeah, it again, does. and I kind of like that. I like, you know, the heroes kind of slipping up like that, and, you know, you know, I like it when they remind us that, no, these are just normal guys. You know, they might, they might be able mm-hmm. to kick ass as vigilantes, but they're still just normal guys that really care about each other, and Robin is going to call Batman Bruce, uh, more often than Batman's going to call uh, Robin Dick, because, you know, he sees him as a, as a father figure and as a friend, and not as Batman. He just sees him as Bruce. Well, what about you? I, I really think because of the whole Bruce can't act like Batman in front of, front of Summer Gleason thing, I think because that bothers me so much, I think at the end of the day I mark this one down because of that. Um, but overall... Even without that, I just kind of think this episode's average. I, I, it, I this is one of those ones that really would have be, really could have been better if it was a two-parter. There's so much history here, and I know we we revisit these characters, you know, or I should say this character because Kyodai Ken, excuse me, does come back later on. But I wish this could have been a true two-parter, back to back, and just with one half, kind of like how they did Robin's Reckoning, where the first episode mm-hmm. is pretty much just all flashbacks with a few scenes in the here and now, letting you know what's going on, setting up the story. And then in the then in the second part, you really get the battle between Kyodai Ken and Bruce Wayne and, and just a, a few more flashbacks. I wish they would have done it that way. And I really think the episode was hurt because they didn't make it a two-parter. I felt like they there was so much potential here and it was wasted because they just crammed it all into 22 minutes. I mean, that, that's pretty much all I have to say about this one. Is is it just lots of potential, but... Kind of blown. I like the music, though. I thought this was some of the best uh, composed music of any of the episodes that we've watched so far. Every every face-off, it's the same tune, but damn it, it's cool. One thing I did mark off on this episode, though, was at the very end of the episode, uh, after all the, f- the fighting between Wayne and Ken happens, uh, at breakfast the next morning, Bruce's black eye is gone with no explanation. I don't. I it's. I don't know if the animators just forgot about it or what, but that's that's just sloppy right there. It really was. It's one of those things where he should have still. He definitely should have still had it. I mean, it was a really bad black eye. It wasn't just like a small bruise. It's like his whole eye and this this big patch underneath. There should have been something there. It was a black eye that pissed him off enough to say, "Shut up and fight" to this guy. Yeah. So. <laughs> There's times where the animators just screw up, and this is just one of those times. They just they just flat out blew it with that black eye. I thought it was pretty funny, actually, if you think about it. it was uh, at the the beginning of the episode where we see the police on the the roof looking at the ninja star, and Bruce goes over to it, and Gordon tells him not to touch it because uh, it'll break the evidence chain. That's just uh, that's just really funny if you think about it. Because <laughs> he lets, why, I'm not- I mean, you know, it's it's a dramatic irony. You know, the audience. Oh, because the audience knows Bruce Wayne's Batman. Jim Gordon doesn't at this point, so he's that's, telling, that's he true. always lets Batman go away with evidence, but he won't let Bruce Wayne touch it. I didn't even think about that. That's really funny. Oh my god! <laughs> 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 I 
I've seen this episode how many times, and I've never ever thought about that. That's a good catch, there, man. That's about all I have for the, this episode. But I, like I said, I really uh, liked Robin in this episode. I think he was the mm-hmm. best part of this whole episode. Easily, yeah. they they just oh, they went into overdrive on him with the sarcasm and the saving Bruce's ass multiple times. Loved mm-hmm. it. And I like how he, like, right behind Batman's back, he parodies him. Where he's, or he mimics him, I should say, where he's like, or whatever, and he's yeah. like, thanks for saving my bacon, Robin. It's no really problem. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool watching, because, you know, that shows a little of the animosity that's there. Even though he's joking, you know he still feels that way. Mm-hmm. So when you look at episodes down the line, like Old Wounds, and any of the episodes when he's Nightwing, really, you can see that the seeds were there. I mean, they, they show us in Robin's Reckoning, that these two aren't stable anymore. You know, that there's some tension. But since then, obviously they patched things up. Mm-hmm. But you can still tell that Batman not th- up thanking Robin for saving his ass, it, it gets to Robin. He's joking about it, but it still gets to him. So, yeah, you know, the, the, the seeds are there. It's not like when they decided, hey, we're going to make him Nightwing, we're just going to do it out of the blue. They were dropping little hints down the line that, that could have led to Nightwing, and they did it. So I, I applaud them for that. Well, and it's weird at the end of the episode, you see something that you probably, I don't know, how many times have you seen in any Batman media where Bruce Wayne actually admits that something might have been impossible for him to do? Next week, Cat Scratch Fever... And in this one, uh, if you can't tell from the title, it's a Catwoman episode. And um, let's see, how can I describe this? Selina, it starts out where she's uh, at her hearing, correct? Yeah, her court hearing. Right, she's at her court hearing, and the judge decides to give her uh, probation because she did help save the city. So there was a nice little bit of continuity there. Um, But the judge tells her that if she's ever caught, you know, wearing that Catwoman costume again... She'll, she'll she'll revoke her probation and throw the book at her and blah 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 blah. Well, when Selena gets home, she finds out that Isis, her precious kitty cat, has gone missing. So she hits the street trying to find her, which is like an impossible task. Try finding a stray cat in a city, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, as she's on the street, she ends up running afoul of some of Daggett's goons who are catching cats for the purpose of testing a virus on them, basically a rage virus from like 28 days later. Yeah. is what they're testing on them, if you think about it. And what Daggett's going to do is he's trying to infect all these cats and dogs and other stray animals, and he's going to release them on the city, so this way when they attack humans, Daggett will be the only one with the cure. So it's this giant money-making scheme, and Selina gets nipped, and Batman's got to save the day, is basically what it boils down to, right? Did I miss anything? No, you didn't. Okay, well, w- w- you sound disappointed there. No, I, I, like you, I think we both just... Don't like this episode to put it very put put it very mildly. Yeah, what are your gripes with this one? Well, first off, or would it be easier to start with what was working in this episode? Well, shoot, that's a smaller list, so we might as well go with that. What's I don't that? think I have anything on my list. <laughs> well, that made that one easy. All right, let's get to the negative stuff, shall we? Exactly. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. Why don't you go ahead? God, first off, the voice acting in this episode was atrocious all around. Uh, was it Adrian Barbeau, the woman who did the voice of Catwoman? I just, I was not digging the voice acting there at all. With ever, after she got infected with that rage virus, it 
it was awful. It was like melodrama central. It was like, oh, oh. <laughs> it was, I just, I buried my head in my hands watching, <laughs> watching every bit of that. Just like, yeah. um, The animation is piss poor at best. Oh my god, that judge? What is up with the judge? Yes! It's like watching a bad, like, Fox judge show at, like, 2 o'clock in a weekday afternoon. Her lips are, like, the size of her fucking head. You know, and her mouth is over on, like, her right cheek the whole time. It's, Mm -hmm. like, not underneath her nose where it should be. I I have no idea what they're doing with her. I don't want... At the risk of saying something that might be very offensive, it looked like she just suffered a stroke or had Bell's palsy or something. When I watch this episode, the only thing I can remember from it is Dr. Milo, and that's only because he appears later in Justice League. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how Dr. Milo starts with infecting animals with a rage toxin, and eventually he works his way up the DC hierarchy and getting just destroyed by Doomsday. Is that what happens to him? Yeah. Do- he, he releases Doomsday from his like oh, uh, that's right. imprisonment, yeah. and, then, and then he just bas- and Doomsday basically grabs him in his hand and crushes him. Now, have we seen Milo before? For this, though, I, like you, like I knew he came back. No. I didn't remember what episode, but I knew he came back. But he, we have, have we seen him before no, this? This episode? is the first episode with him. This is the first one. Okay, yeah. Um, what else about the animation besides the judge? I was kind of focusing on there. Oh, we both were. Right? Uh, the ice at the end of the episode where they're all like, they're all in the or the the two goons and Batman are on the ice. That's just it was choppy and mm-hmm. uh, the. Uh, Lip syncing with especially the two goons in the alley and with Catwoman, that was just horrible. And something, and along those lines, while I'm thinking about that, the alley scene, when when Naimon Toya comes along, she just arrests Catwoman, out of, or Catwoman, Selena, she's not Catwoman at that point. Yeah. She just arrests Selena out of nowhere. She says, You're under arrest with no charges. She doesn't yeah. say a charge, she just says, You yeah. have the right to remain silent. Yeah, exactly. What, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Um, who the hell wrote this one? Uh, Sean Catherine Derrick. I don't. Shit. Did that? Who is that? I never. I don't remember seeing that name before in my life. Oh, here we go. Here's the little note. Uh, let's see. This is on her wiki page. Oh man. Let's see. Look at what, that. Are you reading it? Too? Look at that second note. Yeah, she is somewhat infamous for the view of Batman the Animated Series that was out of line with Bruce Timm and Eric Radomski wanting more social stories, and that's what she was obviously trying to do in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, as famed Batman writer Paul Dini explained, quote, while they were pushing for gritty action stories, Sean lobbied for Batman to help the homeless and install a recycling bin in the Batcave, end quote. I, uh, let's see. Oh, no, the quote goes on from there. I don't remember whether the, re- the recycling bin ever made it, but the homeless angle did because obviously there was the whole thing with Dr. Leslie Tompkins. Yeah. Well, and, and not only that, but also The, uh, the Forgotten. There yeah, The some, Forgotten. That's the episode yeah. I was thinking of. You know, along the same lines of the uh, animation just being absolutely terrible, I think the, 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 the dialogue in this one is horrendous. Mm-hmm. It's just filled with puns from top to bottom. Um, well, I, I didn't note any of them, but it, it's just it's, the dialogue in this is just terrible. Well, most of it's from Catwoman. I... With all the cat puns and all that other bullshit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then there's, you know, there's like a cliched line where Batman, you know, he's trying to, you know, he puts his hand on Selena's forehead to see if she has a fever, and he's like, you're hot. She's like, now you notice. And it's like, oh, God, that's terrible. Worse yet, did you notice notice how he took her temperature? 
Like I said, he put his hand on her forehead, right? Mm-hmm. His hand was still gloved. gloved. With the Kevlar glove. Yeah. It's like, okay, wait, how can, how hot would she have to be burning for him to feel that heat through the Kevlar glove? I think she would be dead at that point. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like oh when he when he takes God. a pulse with the glove still on. He did that yeah. in an earlier episode. <laughs> yep, yes, he does. It's like, what the hell? That, what, they couldn't take the time to, to have him take his glove off, for God's sakes? Oh, yeah, just the dialogue from top to bottom, the goons, Daggett, Batman, Catwoman, everybody, it's just... It's just cringeworthy. I just want to vomit. I'm not joking. I want to no, vomit. I, that's exactly how I feel. It's wretch. It's just yeah. a throwaway, wretched episode. You know, and there's... You know, we, we spoke about Batman's black eye disappearing. This one has more glitches than that one did. Um, okay, you remember when the goons are in the truck and Daggett is talking to them, saying they better go get Batman or they better never come back? Uh-huh. Well, when he first is... Ta- when he starts talking, the window is up, but... When they cut closer to Daggett, he's holding the door, and his hands are inside the truck. So <laughs> they forgot that the window was up. You can clearly see it's up because there was a. You, they they kind of like animated a glare. You no, know, I it. vaguely remember that now that you mentioned that. I didn't have that in my notes, but now you say that, I do remember that. And then you're right. The second they zoom into him, the, the window's down all of a sudden. Um, where were they? They were in front of like a place called Daggett Lab. Yeah, or something they were. Like that right. It was where Batman was just like snooping around. Right. Well. There's a G missing in Daggett at one point. It's like D-A space G and then the rest of Daggett's name. Where earlier in the episode, you see it spelt properly, and then at the end, they completely forgot one of the Gs. And it's not like they misspelt it. There's a space there for the G, but it's not there. (laughs) It's just completely not there. And it's in that same moment with that window. It's like right around the... It's probably within 30 seconds. Oh, man, that is funny. Yeah. In all Um, the wrong ways. Yeah. You know, and, and here's a question for you. Okay, we've established in the past, or they've established in the past, I should say, that when Batman's utility or Batman's utility belt is so secure that when someone tries breaking into it, unless you're a ten year old boy, it sprays a purple mist on your face. <laughs> or you right? get electrocuted or something. Well, in this one, when Batman's fighting the enraged dog, the antitoxin just falls out of his belt. It's like it's like would you guys just Figure out what to do with his belt. Either there's some gas that comes out, either it electrocutes you, either it doesn't, either it's secure, either it's not. Just just be consistent. It, it can't be all these different ways. It bugged me when I saw... Because it's not like he just stuck it in his waistband. Because sometimes he sticks stuff in his waistband. Mm-hmm. No, he clearly stuck it in his belt. And then, boop, it just pops out. Oh, And the size of that vial keeps changing, too. That little inhaler-like device that he's yeah, got? The asthma medication. Yeah. It goes from being really small to kind of, you know, larger. It's like, oh, come on. You know, I, I swear. It's like, from the, it's like from the moment they, they wrote this script, they said, oh, my God, this is going to suck. But we have to yeah. do it, so let's just get it over with. So they just, Exactly. Yeah. yeah. When you look at episodes like uh, Two-Face, Robin's Reckoning, Heart of Ice... You can tell, and I said this during our, our, our discussion about Heart of Ice, you can tell across the board, everybody attached to that episode, from the, from, the, from the person who wrote it, to the people who drew the storyboards, to the animators, everybody knew that was going to be something special, and they went above and beyond the call of duty. With this one, it's the exact opposite. They all knew it was crap, except obviously the person who wrote it, and they, nobody put any effort into it at all. It's just the animation, the, 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 the staging, the voice acting, just everything is just terrible. It's terrible. They all knew this was garbage. And you're right, they were just doing it because they had to fill 
they had they, 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 they had the script and they paid for it and they might as well use it. Here's something that made me curious. Milo says to Daggett that one nip would make him, that being Daggett, just like the dogs were. Then how come when Selena gets nipped, she doesn't get enraged? She just falls ill. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that just bugged me from the, the halfway point of the episode on. It's like, shouldn't she be like turning feral, like Wolfsbane or somebody? Yeah, she should be. She should be drooling. Her eyes turning red. Something. Milo said it that if you get nipped, you'll be just like them. But no, Selena just gets sick. Never once does her temper even flare up. I mean, because if her, t- let's say she got sick and then at some point her temper flared up, you could write it off as it affects humans a little differently, and it takes longer for them to become feral. But that never happens. She just is on her deathbed, basically. Making horrible puns towards Batman all the all the while. This episode, across the board, might be or I shouldn't even say might be, in my opinion, is the worst one that we've reviewed yet and might be the worst one altogether. But we'll see. Obviously, we have many, many, many more episodes to go through. next episode today is The Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne, which is a fan favorite for reasons which I will get to momentarily. Hmm. Basically, uh, Judge Vargas, who is a friend of Bruce Wayne, is being blackmailed by somebody uh, because she's found on a bridge in the middle of the night uh, paying off some goons for a tape. So Batman has uh, starts to investigate and he finds out that she w- went to this health resort uh, of sorts, and he decides to go as Bruce Wayne to the health resort just to investigate. Um, while there, uh, the director of the health resort, I guess director is the best term I can use, uh, uses a machine that can actually see people's thoughts on Bruce Wayne, and he f- uses it to figure out that Bruce is, in fact, Batman. So, from there on, he uses the tape of these thoughts to uh, try and auction money out of Joker to Face and the Penguin, which is, like I said a a moment ago, why this is such a fan favorite, because it has, I guess, the big three to this point in the Batman mythos. Okay, I don't actually have a lot of notes for this episode, because it's just one of those episodes that I like to sit down and enjoy without having trying to overthink it. Now, I have a couple and they're just mainly just little things that I'd wanted to make a note of that I've mentioned during our recording here. Hugo Strange is, I don't know if, you know, he's not a, a super villain or anything. He's hes just like your garden variety scientist who just out of the clear blue discovers that uh, Batman is Bruce Wayne. It, it's a nice little scheme he has there. I mean, oh, yeah. God knows how much money he could get out of like the Joker and Two-Face and Penguin. Because this is the identity of their arch nemesis. I think it's a really good concept. I think Strange's scheme is awesome. I love the fact that he falls back asswards into Bruce Wayne's identity. He didn't seek it out. Bruce went there and Bruce screwed up. That's really cool because normally he doesn't screw up like that. So that's that's all good. But at the end of the day, I just kind of am like, hmm, about this episode. Um, 
unlike you, this isn't one that I would just kind of sit down to watch just to enjoy. I would choose other episodes before this one. Just to sit down and enjoy. Oh, I agree. I I'm, I'm not saying it's. Say. I'm not. Even, I'm not saying it's a top ten or even a top twenty or anything. Anything like that. I'm just saying it's an episode that I. I can just sit back and watch anytime I want and just enjoy. Just for. I don't know. Maybe it's just for the Joker's line where Two Face says, "Get out of my face," and he asks him <laughs> which one. <laughs> that is one of the greatest one-liners in the history of the DC animated universe. Hell, the Joker's got some good lines in this one. Like, when they're about to throw Strange out of the plane later on, he says, remember, it's not the fall, it's the sudden stop. <laughs> it's like, that's just brutal. The Joker is so cool in this one. I think, I liked how, uh, when uh, Hugo is just at wit's end there, he's got to just bail out of this, out of what's left of this fallen apart scheme. And he's like, Bruce Wayne is Batman! <laughs> yeah. And Two-Face yeah. is like, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I know Bruce Wayne. He ain't Batman. Yeah. You know, <laughs> not so many words, but... Yeah, right, I know what you're saying. <laughs> Hang on, I, there's another Joker line that I love. Um, when all that's going to hell, he says to Strange, oh, I, where's it in my notes? He goes, I'm going to use your head for a bowling ball, Strange. I said, <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> But anyways, getting back to that, that moment when everything's going to hell, and as you said, Two-Face is like, there's no way that, that Batman is I'm, Bruce Wayne. If he's the Batman, I'm king of England. <laughs> like During that moment, they all start rushing strange, right? Two-Face just goes at him with his fists. Penguin has his umbrella already up because he's used it to shoot whatever was in Strange's hand. What was it, the, the tape, tape or their the no tape, control? Yeah. Do you notice what the Joker pulled out? He pulls out a bouquet. He just just <laughs> randomly pulls out a bouquet. He's gonna be swinging it. It's strange. It's so funny. See, that's that's why I think I like this episode is because of all the zaniness between the three the three big guys at the end there. You know, as we're talking about it here, I just I literally just changed my notes and I bumped it up a point just for just because I'm having fun talking about this one. It's like you know this one is kind of better than I thought it was because you're right. Like you said, just just when you get those three guys in a room. You know, something craziness big, something is, gonna big is going on. Yeah. You know, speaking of those guys being in the room, though, I do have to wonder how it would benefit them to pool their money to get the secret that Strange has. That yeah, that did kind of confuse me because these guys have all kinds of different mo's. Yeah, I mean, it speeds along the story, and fine, I understand that's probably why they did that, but it really it gives it doesn't serve them at all to to to, to pool their money like that. But whatever, I'll, I'll let that slide. But in that, well, in the scene where Penguin shoots the tape, Bruce Wayne's name is on the tape. Yeah, no. I, 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 I have to knock at a point for that. Yeah. I have to. I, I don't want to, but I have to. Yeah. I mean, he's holding it up in the air, for Christ's sake. I don't know. I'm sorry. I didn't go ahead if you were going to say something. We're saying the Joker has a lot of good lines in this one, but Robin and Batman have a really cool exchange really early on where they're they're in the plane I believe it is and Batman's like do I look stressed to you yes. and Robin goes you get out of town exactly the sarcasm is just so <laughs> awesome you know it's like you don't get much better than that yeah. you know and we don't get enough of it either no we don't we, you really don't but what are you going to do? You know, they, they wanted an older Robin, so this way they could use him when they needed him. Because if you've got a young Robin, he's going to always be hanging around the mansion. Mm-hmm. You know, so you almost always have to bring him on every mission. But when he's older, he's away at college, you can use him when you need him. Oh, it's a weekend. Oh, it's a holiday. Oh, he doesn't have to study tonight. So you, you can get away with that with an older Robin. And it, it, 
when you see episodes like this where Robin is just really on, and then the previous one with uh, what do you call it, Night of the Night, Night of, the, of Ninja, the Ninja, yeah, yeah, where again he was just on, it does make you go, ooh, I would like to see a little more Robin, but but oh, well. yeah, I guess in hindsight it's good maybe that they just dispersed it out like that because if you do it over and over again it loses the effect. So we've yeah. got to appreciate what we're given. A funny little thing I noticed, um, Alfred is actually seen folding Bruce Wayne's underwear in this episode. Yeah. It, <laughs> I, I noticed that. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. Really yeah. Didn't. And it's not like they're even boxers. It's like, these are tidy whities He's folding. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hmm, okay. You know, yep. we just saw Batman's underwear. <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, we see his underwear all the time because he wears them outside, but you know what I'm talking about. These are yeah. the underwear we don't see. <laughs> yeah. We see the Kevlar underwear all the time. How did uh, Bruce escape from the little prison cell he was in? Did they explain he, that, or did I just miss? Bruce leans down, and he bites his sweater, and he pulls out, a, uh, like, a toothpick, like, oh, a okay. metal, uh, or like a metal toothpick, and he's able to pick the lock somehow with that thing. Oh, okay. And he even admits that everything is going according to plan, and Alfred says something snarky, of course. Um, That puts me at ease, or whatever he says. Something along those lines, yeah. The last thing I want to say about this one is, this is the second episode to feature an evil resort. It's like, where are these guys getting the money to build these evil resorts? Well, Hugo Strange, you could argue, has been blackmailing a lot of people. I mean, look at the tape collection he had. That's true. So you could argue that he he already had a shitload of money from being blackmailing people. Our next episode is actually a two-parter called Heart of Steel. In this episode, or episodes, I should say, uh, high-tech secrets are being stolen from Wayne Enterprises by robots really disguised as ordinary everyday things like suitcases and uh, compacts. And Wayne starts to, I guess, investigate, of course, since it's his company that's being robbed. Uh, he starts to investigate where this technology could possibly be coming from. So it leads him to uh, the plant owned by a friend of his who taught him a, a whole like, everything he knows about robotic engineering. Uh, and this company is really run by some massive... Uh, so, uh, an artificial intelligence called Hardak. Hardak, unbeknownst to everybody else, except for the uh, f- the female assistant whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, it is, Ran- uh, Randa, Randa. Randa yeah. who uh, turns out to be a robot later on. Oh, noes! <laughs> uh, but unbeknownst to everybody else, Hardak is actually free-thinking and is, more or less, you could say free-thinking, and is planning to supplant all of humanity with machines and just turn basically all of humanity into robots with no emotion or anything because Hardak cannot stand error in in human beings. And while this is going on, uh, important uh, personalities around Gotham, such as Commissioner Gordon, Harvey Bullock, uh, Mayor Hill, have all been secretly uh, displaced with robot clones of themselves. And Barbara Gordon, who... This is this is the first episode of Barbara Gordon, isn't it? Yep, very first one. Mm-hmm. Well, she suspects that uh, this Jim Gordon is not her father, and she would be right, uh, because of the way it acts. It has no emotion whatsoever. says the same things over and over and over again. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a note about that later, but I'll get to that later on. Okay. Um, so, yeah, in the, in the second part, the second part of the episode is basically... Uh, 
the furthering of Batman's investigation, and he has to save all of the uh, humans who have, for some reason, not been disposed of by this Hardak thing, uh, and you know, get them out of this building. And that's about it, I think. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? I like this episode a lot. I've always liked this one. Um... But I don't know. I can. I don't think I can pinpoint why I like this one so much. Um, oh, it's like me in the previous episode, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. You know, the, the story is very sci-fi. Oh yeah. And normally, Batman. I mean, he has all, all his gadgetry and stuff. But a good Batman story is usually a psychological story. I mean, just look at the original Arkham Asylum. That is a psychological tale. So. You know, but yeah, he's got the computer, he's got the car, he's got all this and that. So there are some sci-fi elements to Batman, but normally he doesn't live in a sci-fi world, especially in this cartoon. Mm-hmm. And much like I liked The Forgotten, because it took Bruce Wayne slash Batman out of his element and put him in this in this in this area in these mountains where you know he's not familiar with. I think that's why I like this one is because it's something different. It's not him fighting the mobster of the week. It's not him fighting Roland Daggett. It's not him chasing Catwoman's skirt again or anything like that. He's just fighting robots. It's completely different. And to my knowledge, I don't think we've seen him fight robots up to this point, have we? Not that I, not that I can remember. Nope. So I, I think I like that sci-fi element of this one. When we get to our grading for us, I, I gave this above average because it, it's pretty solid. I, I when I first watched it over again, I was like, oh god, it's Heart of Steel. I, I don't, I don't remember liking this episode. And, but as I watched it, I thought, you know what, this is a pretty, it's a pretty solid episode. So, and I graded it accordingly. But we'll get to that later. One of my big gripes about this is the way. When uh, Randa goes to the Wayne Manor, that, it, Bruce knows, he knows that this company that, uh, what's the guy's name, Rossum? Is that Rossum, yeah, yeah. his friend, he knows that Rossum's company has to be behind all this, all this crap that's happening to Wayne Enterprises. Uh-huh. And this assistant who is deeply involved in all these, all these uh, robotics and everything, he leaves her in his house. Uh-huh. And just he, he, and that's the only reason that this episode really progresses, is because they find out that he that Bruce uh, that Randa finds out that Bruce Wayne is Batman. He, she takes over the Batcave and the Batcomputer, and you know she she electrocutes Alfred. Yeah. And it's like if if Bruce hadn't been stupid enough to leave this woman who has to be considered something of a suspect, I would think. Uh-huh. He'd be stupid enough to leave this woman in her house and just run off somewhere, leaving you know just leaving her alone there to where she could do anything. That's that's just I think that ag- that aggravated me. It really did. No, there's a really big plot hole. Okay, the episode starts with Randa. Now we don't see her face at the time, but we just see this kind of sexy 1940s-ish blonde woman walking. Marilyn Monroe, basically. She's walking through you know Wayne's building there, and she leaves her briefcase at the front desk. The guard gets a very clear look at her, okay? Mm-hmm. He knows what she's going to look like. Now, maybe he was focusing more on her T and her A than her face, okay? But regardless, he still would have got to look at her, or at least she'd be on videotape. Because they know, because that video, that, that of course, that briefcase she leaves runs amok mm-hmm. throughout uh, Wayne Enterprises. Right. So they would check the tape to see who left that, and they're going to see her face. So then later on, when she returns to Wayne Enterprise for their date that they're about to go on, why isn't she stopped and questioned? Exactly. 
The guards, so there's a huge plot hole there. The guards clearly should have been like, wait a minute, Bruce Wayne's date is the same woman who left the briefcase that stole the chips. That really does bother me. The, the leaving her in the house part doesn't bother me so much. I can see where it would bother someone. It just doesn't bother me. But her, but them not catching that it was her that left the briefcase and not saying anything to Bruce, that irks me big time. Yeah, it's like, yours, the plot hole you just mentioned is the biggest, of course. I think mm. the leaving Randa in his in his home it just adds on to it, really. It just, it's massive in, in its screwed upness, for lack yeah. of a better term. <laughs> I did like, though, the, the motif of having little hidden things all over Wayne Tech. The, uh, the 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 glider on the roof and the oh yeah the the, the, the hidden file cabinet door that was really cool yeah that little section of wall that just turns yeah uh-huh. and it's identical you know the same picture the same filing cabinet that's really cool yeah I did I dig that I did mm-hmm. um and I thought uh, who is it that did Barbara Gordon's voice in this episode I thought she did a great job Melissa Gilbert that was it yeah I thought she did a great job with the voice acting did have we ever is this the first episode where we hear Bruce voice in the bat suit? Like, what I mean by that is, uh, he's in the bat cave, and Lucius calls the mansion, and Bruce is still in in the bat garb, and he says, "Lucius, how are you doing?" or whatever he says. Is this the first? Hmm. I think this is a, we see. Uh, we, Bruce we see Bruce used the Batman Batman voice. voice all the time, but I don't think we've ever seen Batman with Bruce voice. That's a good question. And another th- another thing with the Wayne Wayne Enterprises, a security guard escorting Wayne around to try and protect him is so <laughs> is funny on so many levels. It's not. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. more of that dramatic irony. One of my biggest gripes, besides that huge plot hole we just spoke about, mm-hmm. is that okay? Remember in uh, Prophecy of Doom? Do you remember my complaint in that one about Bruce being in the elevator? And the elevator's falling, and when he emerges yeah, he, from the he's, elevator, he's Batman. he's Batman. Right. It happens again in this one. When he is let... This is in the second part, I should say. When he's led into the... Uh, he gets into the elevator after... Let, let's see. He, he's in that meeting, and he finds out everybody's robots. He runs away. He barricades the door, gets into the elevator, and the robots start trying to chase him. Well, he enters the elevator as Bruce Wayne... But then next time we see him, he's hanging on one of the cables trying to cut it as Batman. Yeah. It's like, it's when like, did he find the time? How about the uh, Alf- Alfred with, uh, I do wish you wouldn't play so roughly with your toys. Oh, I do wish your toys wouldn't play so roughly with you, sir. That is a very cool callback. That was brilliant. I love that. Um, you know, for the first episode, I-, I think the animation is near perfect. I don't think it gets any better than it does in that episode right there. You can tell they have different animation crews working on these episodes, because sometimes Batman looks kind of, uh, he looks a little more cartoony, but then you get episodes like this, like Heart of Ice, like Two-Face, where he seems much more realistic, and it, it, like it, like this this could be in the real world, and I love it when it looks that way. He's much more square, and it just he just seems more human. Do, do you pick up on that? Yeah, well, it's like in uh, uh, Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne, when he's standing on the bridge while talking to Gordon. Uh, do you remember how he's he's just standing there, uh, and he's talking, completely, in, completely in shadow with the yeah. cape blowing in the wind? That, that's cool. That yeah, I cool love visual. They, I love when they do stuff like that, and I think in this episode, when it comes to the animation, they were just hitting it. Did you notice that this is the second episode in a row 
where Batman's secret identity, the yes. identity has been yes, exposed. Yes, I did. I don't know about that. Not only that, last time that was flat out said that Alfred was injected with some sort of truth serum. Mm-hmm. And now in this one, just Rand is just, oh my God, she just shocks the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. I, ugh. It, it, it's like, poor Alfred. Poor Alfred. He didn't ask for any of this. No, he didn't. He's just trying to help this crazy kid do his do his adventuring, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, now, the assault on Jim Gordon, which is equally as violent as what happens to Alfred, reminds me very much of the killing joke. I mean, you've got Barbara oh, and yeah. Jim sitting there. He's reading the newspaper and the killing joke. He's clipping the newspaper. The doorbell rings. When the door opens, there's two figures in shadow. One of them is, they're both wearing hats. And the killing joke, the Joker's wearing his hat. You can't see his face right away. And, you know, in the killing joke, Barbara, of course, gets shot. And in this one, Randa comes up and shocks him. And it's like, they were clearly riffing the killing joke there. If they weren't, if Bruce, if I met Bruce Tim tomorrow and he said, oh, no, no, that's just a coincidence, I'd be like, dude, you're a liar. So it has these different layers for people who have never read the killing joke before. They're just like, ooh, that's kind of that's a kind of a violent scene. Mm-hmm. But for the people like us who have read it, there, it has so, I mean, it's still violent, but it has, the, the meaning is so much deeper. Because you know, I mean, I, I just watched that and I'm like, I, every time I see this, I know Barbara doesn't answer the door, but I'm like, don't answer the door, Barbara, don't answer the door. I, th- it, I think it would have been kind of creepy, the, not to break the seriousness of the uh, analogy there, but I think it would have been really, really creepy if Gordon Bot had said, you're fine, to Barbara. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she interrupts him before he can say it, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I know, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad she interrupted him there, because that would have been weird. <laughs> yeah, and I wish, I really wish they would have programmed those robots to be a... Uh, a little more like the people they were supposed to portray. It's there were too much of a giveaway. Yeah, somebody with the intelligence of Barbara Gordon. Yeah, it's like okay, Mayor Hill does a really good job of pretending to be Mayor Hill. If you remember when he's the the Mayor Hill robot when he's with Bruce Wayne, he does a really good job leading him into that room. But Gordon, he's a robot. He's flat out a robot. I'm fine. Just smacking, what's the bear's name? Whoopi? Whoopi. Yeah, just smacking Whoopi across the, off the couch and all this and that. It's like, wait, okay, did you guys have to be so heavy-handed here? It's like, Barbara could have figured it out. It would have been so much better if Barbara used some sort of detective skills to figure out what was wrong with her dad. Yeah, I agree. And not just it being in her face. Because we get other hints of her becoming Batgirl. Her, you know, basically she saves Batman's ass in this episode. Mm-hmm. She clearly saves his ass in this one, and you know she she breaks into the building by using her little powder, you know, from her makeup case and all this and that. And it's like, cool, we get to see shades of Batgirl, but it would have been cool if we could have seen her being a detective and not having it thrown in her face. Well, she did, you know, she used some investigative skills, of course, like you said, with the the compact dusting for fingerprints on the right. keypad, which. But that still doesn't make any sense with the keypad to me because she just yeah. she has the four numbers and she just automatically guesses the right four sequence. Hey, you know, she would have hit it eventually. <laughs> yeah, she just got yeah. it right the first time. <laughs> I guess. How many combinations are there with those four numbers? Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're saying. Even as a kid, when I first saw this one, I mean, I was really excited to see Barbara because I knew she'd become Batgirl down the mm-hmm. line. But even as a kid, that scene really did bother me. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's no way she nailed it on her first try. Lucky guess, eh, Oracle? Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice that when Bullock is uh, talking to Jim, he enters his office, and at this point, Jim is a robot. But, of course, Barbara's the only one that suspects something is up. Well, 
Barbara is leaving the office, and she walks past Harvey. And as she's leaving, did you notice that Harvey stares at her ass right yes. in front of Jim? Yes, he like, does. She's walking down that hall. Now, granted, we don't see Barbara. She walks out of frame. But Harvey continues to stare at her as she walks away. And I think he might, like, adjust his hat or does, does he does something to I suggest think he kind of just shrugs. I think he shrugs his shoulders, doesn't he? Is that what he's doing? I think. Okay, but regardless, he's clearly staring at her ass in front of what he thinks is the girl's father. It's like, dude, you got some balls on you. It's like, that's the commissioner's girl. <laughs> hey, that's bullet for you. He has no shame. We know that. <laughs> and did you also notice that when the Mare Hill robot goes to uh, replace Mare Hill, that Mare Hill signs the document M. Hill? His first name is Hamilton. Ugh. <sighs> Good it's Lord. not M. It's not like Michael or Morton. That's like Ever Bison in Street Fighter. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're not going to sign the document M. Hill because you're the mayor. It's like, okay, the mayor of Chicago. It's Richard Daly. He's not going to sign it M. Daly. <laughs> He's going to sign it R. Daly. Oh, that, that, that's one of those things that it's, you know, I'm not necessarily going to take a point off because of it, but it is irksome. It's just a dumb mistake. When, when you talk about this episode, you have to talk about the rooftop fight between Batman, Robot Harvey, and Barbara. Mm-hmm. That is probably one of the most gruesome things we'd see in Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. Because at the time, they don't know that Harvey's a robot. They're not sure what he is. It's, it's plain as day that it's not Harvey. Mm-hmm. Because he throws Batman like 20 feet, and then he throws him up on that high ledge, and then Harvey just jumps up there. This is something... You know, they, they don't know what's going on with this guy, mm-hmm. but maybe he's human, maybe he's been enhanced by some drug, they don't know, but regardless, Batman and Barbara, in tandem, push him in to the bat signal, frying him. Not only that, they cut to a shot of Harvey's hand hanging out of the light, Oh, and, and it's just convulsing right oh. in the foreground. And it's like, okay, we, the viewers, know that that's a robot, but the people there didn't. I mean, Barbara is crying right before, because he's laying there in the light, everything stops, and before, but before the, uh, the metal skeleton comes out, before she knew it was a robot, she starts crying. And then to top it off, when the skeleton does pop out and try to reach for Barbara, Batman throws one of his sharp metal batarangs at it and t- chops its head off. There's a little spurt of oil, like there would be blood, and mm-hmm. then he starts kicking the head around on the ground. <laughs> when he jumps down there to, to go next to Barbara, he starts playing with it with his foot. It's, it's a weird little scene after something that was really violent. I don't know. I, I don't know if they added him, if they added it in, the, the him kicking it around to kind of lighten the mood up. But then it does lead to another great line where Barbara's tugging on Batman's cape, and he just says, please let go of my cape. Yes. Because she wants to, she wants to tag along with him to find out where her dad is. Because if Harvey's a robot, maybe some, maybe that's what her dad's become. So you know, she wants to help out, and he's, she's trying to stop him. And she just grabs his cape. It's like, please let go of my cape. It's like, oh my god, that's awesome. It's just how deadpan yeah. he says it. You know, there's there's no joking. Or if Robin were to say it to her, you know, he'd be a little flirty. Batman's just straight up, let go of my cape. <laughs> yeah. It's all business. Oh, a little bit of trivia here. Did you notice in the first episode that when Randa got in the car, the license plate was uh, R-U-R? I did a little research, and I found out what that stands for. It stands for Rossum's Universal Robots, which was a play written by Carl Kapek. I think is how the last name was pronounced. Um, so obviously Rossum was named after 
this character in this old-time play. I thought that was kind of cool, because we see a lot of in-universe gags. Like I had mentioned uh, in a previous episode, we see the side of that one truck that says, like, Olsen and Sons Photography. Right. You know, so we know it's clearly referring to Jimmy Olsen. And we see Tiny Toon Adventures comics everywhere. So I like I like them referring to something outside of this universe, referring to something outside of anything they've had any association with, because, of course, they did work on Tiny Toons, and that's why they're always inserting it. So, and I also like the fact that it causes you to do a little research on yeah. your own. Because people are going to see R-U-R, and they're going to be like, wait, that's a weird license plate. What is that? And they can just go online and look it up, and there you go. Now you got the answer. Yeah, I like I like doing that stuff, too. I wish I could catch more of these things. Yeah, I only caught it because I thought it was a really weird license plate. Normally, you'd get, like, a letter and a bunch of numbers, or two letters and some numbers, or whatever. But just R-U-R, I knew that had to stand for something. Do you have uh, anything else to say about this one, or do you want to move on? Uh, I believe we can move on. Our final episode today is If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Rich? Which is our Riddler origin episode. And well, we get the introduction with Edward Nigma, who is a creator of a computer game called Riddle of the Minotaur. And when he demands his share of the profits, since... <laughs> He's the creator, for God's sake. <laughs> he He's fired by this greedy uh, corporate shill named Daniel Mockridge. And when he when Mockridge sells the company that Nigma really made, more or less, uh, he vows revenge in a new guise of the Riddler. So he kidnaps Mockridge and puts him in a maze of his... Uh, in a real-life version of a maze that was in the game Riddle of the Minotaur, which Robin has taken a liking to in the Batcave. So I believe that's it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I, I was telling you before we started recording this episode, I you know I dig this episode. I'm I'm kind of a Riddler fanboy. I I know it's it's weird. He's not one of the most serious of all Batman villains. I am Why do you well like him so much? I, don't, I like the uh, I guess I like the the whole Riddle. Uh, uh, motif, uh, motif, would that be the right word? The yeah, MO, the yeah. MO, the modus operandi. Bec- uh, because they explain, have you read the, uh, the, I guess the trade paperback Justice right now? The, Al- the Alex Ross story that's going on right now? Yeah. No, I haven't read that one. Well, in the, in the notes, they have, they have the files of Bruce Wayne notes at the end of the book. Uh, he explains a lot in depth about about the Riddler, why he does what he does, he's an obs- you know he's an obsessive compulsive, and he can't lie. That's basically what it, what his oh. mental issue is. He was beaten as a child because he lied to his father because Nig- Nigma he lied to his father about something that was really serious, and his father just beat the shit out of him. And from that really that moment on, he from boyhood to his teenage years to College years and beyond, he can't lie, but he can, oh. he can disguise his lies as riddle, as riddles. But you know, in the end, he he he's telling the truth with with his riddles. Yeah, that's really cool. I never knew that about the Riddler. So huh. I liked I liked how they you know gave him a, a little bit more humanity, I guess, or, or more seriousness mm-hmm. instead of this just this guy in a green question mark suit. It, so it's good to know that you know they they took some time to give him something of a serious background. Yeah. And uh, me knowing that and watching this episode, I can 
I appreciate. I guess I appreciate this episode a little more. And we, I know we only get a couple of a couple more Riddle, Riddler episodes later on because it it is difficult to write for a guy like a character like the Riddler because yeah. it, you have to formulate a plot around riddles and a crime. You know, like yeah. It's much easier to write a Joker episode, a Catwoman episode, a Two-Face episode. But you're right, when it comes to a Riddler episode, you know, you have to put so much into it. And that's not to say that these guys didn't want to put the effort into it. It's just they probably didn't have the time to put that much thought and effort into coming up with all these riddles that would lead to them coming up to the, with the plot and the scheme and all this and that. It's, it's got to be a pain in the ass to write a Riddler story. Yeah. Hell, you don't even see the Riddler that much in the comics, and I gotta assume it's for the same reason. But nonetheless, I I do enjoy the the few Riddler, Riddler episodes we get in this series, and uh, I like I, I think this is a a pretty solid episode. I have pl- I have some gripes about it, but man, namely the animation. I think the animation is shit for the most yeah. part. So, fully admit that. Um, but I like how they made the Riddler out in this episode, and by that I mean he really was a, a serious villain in that you know you you know that in this episode he is fully capable of killing this this guy Daniel Mockridge. Yeah. you he he never they never disguise the fact that uh, Nigma is out to get him and he he will kill him if you know if and when the time is right so because you never I don't as watching watching this episode, I never got the feeling that Batman and Robin were completely on top of things. They were they were out again. They were out of their element. Mm-hmm. So they that's it's like I don't know. It's like a uh, a wrestler, a rookie wrestler getting a a rub, you know, from a, a, a established star or something. Oh yeah, Batman and Robin basically put the Riddler over. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Yeah. But, and, and better yet is that the Riddler went over. He really did. He, mm-hmm. he doesn't get caught in the end. Exactly. That's my biggest note about this entire episode. Yeah. He is Everybody the, else gets caught in, in the, the previous mm-hmm. episodes. He's the first recurring Bat-villain to not get caught. Uh-huh. Joker goes to Arkham. Penguin goes to jail. Two-Face, Arkham. Mad Hatter, Arkham. Freeze, Arkham. Poison Ivy, Arkham. Catwoman, jail. Or she gets probation, but she's yeah. still captured. Yeah. I so, mean, the, the only ones that don't fit into that are the non-super villains like like the mobsters mm-hmm. like like Daggett you know he he doesn't go to jail but that's a little more complicated cuz he can pay his lawyers or he could mm-hmm. pay off judges and whatnot you know but when it comes to the super cr- criminals you're right he's the very first one very first one yeah and i think it's important that they did that for him because he really to the general populace he is one of the weakest of the be- of the rogues gallery he's well, not look at him i'm sorry go ahead I mean, look, yeah, look at him. He's, he's a guy dresses up in a green question mark suit. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'm, it's, I think it was, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it was important that they did that because because of that. They put him over thinking, oh, wow, this guy really could be a serious villain. And then the, his, the next Riddler episode, you know, with uh, where he kidnaps Gordon and attaches him to that virtual reality machine, you're like, wow, this guy is fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> so... I really, I really, I think that's why I like this episode so much is because of how well they put over Riddler. But what about you? I don't, I don't, you probably have different feelings about this than I do. I think this is a good episode. I think this episode's better than average, but there's just little things that just kind of irk me about it, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, I can't pinpoint them. I don't think it was as strong as it could have been. Um, but then again, I'm not looking at it from the vantage point that you are. Now, maybe if I rewatch it. 
my appreciation of it will increase because of everything you just told me. I didn't know a lot of that stuff about the Riddler. Um, so I'd love to sit down and watch this one again. And, you know, as we've said before, you know, when we're done talking about Batman, the animated series, we're going to go back and look at some of our scores, see which ones we might want to change for the better or worse. This may be one I have to change after rewatching it. Now, knowing what I do. And well, in the other two episodes, more, even more so than this one, because, uh, they don't really delve into, you know, uh, Enigma's psyche in this one, like they do in the in the final Riddler episode. What's the last one? Oh, what is it called? Uh, Riddler's Reform. That's the final of uh, the final Riddler episode, the third one. That one he goes legit, doesn't he? Yeah, that's where they he goes legit, but not really. But it's uh, it's a dark, it's a really dark episode for a Riddler I, episode. I'm kind of vaguely rem- vaguely remembering it. He opens like a toy company, doesn't mm-hmm. he? Yes. W- what else do you have to say about this one? Uh, you know, the little things that I like. The Super Mario Brothers sound effects. Yeah. yeah with yeah. the Riddle of the Middle Tour game. Mm-hmm. That's just cool. I also love, and Alfred points this out, that Robin is using, like, a million-dollar computer to play, like, a really crappy-looking video game. <laughs> it's like, dude, that's, that's like a super, super, super computer, and you're playing some dumb game on it. Like, go upstairs and use one of the computers up there, you know? <laughs> yeah, for real. And I just, I seriously love the fact that, that they have Alfred point that out. Well, that's what he's there for, to be the... The guy that anchors them to reality. Oh, when Bat- when the Batman and Robin are fighting the two goons in the in the nightclub, uh, Batman just gets swapped with a chair, and he just dusts it off, stands back up, turns around, grabs the guy, and throws him across the room. Kind of Undertaker-ish, I think. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Speaking of res- wrestling, now there's something I want to mention. In a previous episode, I think it was. You had said, you had made mention of Batman having that little computer in his glove, right? Right, the palm-top computer. Right. If you actually look, I paid attention, I watched this scene twice, he doesn't have the computer in his glove. He pulls it out of the car and puts it on his glove. Oh, really? Yeah. Before, okay, this is when all the, the city lights are going crazy and he realizes it's Morris code. Okay, they park the car on top of a bridge, I believe it is. And before Batman, I think he gets out of the car... He reaches over to something in the like on the dashboard or in the console, and he pulls something out, and he clearly puts something on his glove. And then after that, he flips up the top, and then he has the little computer. The mm-hmm. way it's drawn, it does look like it's in the glove, but he clearly, if you watch what he does, puts it on top of his glove. You watch it again, trust me. Okay, yeah, I will. When we when we record the next episode, maybe before then, you can you can give that a look and tell me if I'm if I was seeing things or not. I really liked how in the beginning when uh, Nigma is going to his office, you know, and he's playing his, his crossword puzzle game, we see the, uh, the office and you see the maze of cubicles. Mm-hmm. I kind of like how that would foreshadow the ending where they're, where they're running through a maze. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was a neat little effect because they were clearly going for it because of the way they pull out and they show it, it's clearly just a mess of, 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 of cubicles, and there's no way you can <laughs> navigate those things. Take you 20 minutes to get to your desk. But speaking of mazes, okay, when did the Riddler have time to make all those traps? This yeah. is one of the things that bothers me all the time in, in, in a lot of these Batman episodes. It's Okay, the, the maze was already there because they were going to be opening up this amusement park in Gotham, right? right? That's what Mockridge and Bruce Wayne were trying to strike the deal on, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so, okay, so the, the amusement park is already there, the maze is already there, but why did the Riddler ever decide to make the Griffith deadly? Why would those blades be in there? You know, he, he, there's no way he anticipated Batman getting involved. This is just a small-time thing. 
It's not like he was. It's not like he was. You know, making all the fish in Gotham have smiley faces. He was just going after one guy. I don't think he truly thought Batman was going to come after him. And so once Batman was coming after him, when did he have the time to to, to make those modifications? I just can't buy things like that. It, it takes well, that, a leap of logic that I'm not willing to make. Yeah, I I agree. I took a point off of that too. Mm-hmm. For that too, and and it's like you said, he never counted on Batman being there. He even said so in the club. Oh, that's something or another, isn't it? Who yeah. Invited, who invited you? Yeah. So, um, I like. I actually like that line. That's something or another. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the things that kind of didn't sit right with me is if you remember from the old Batman TV show. Now, maybe I'm not remembering this correctly, but the way I'm remembering it is that Robin was the one who always solved the riddles, didn't he? In the old '60s, you know, television show. I think so, but. I honestly don't like to look back on that show for much. (laughs) Like I've said in the past, I have mixed feelings about that show. But the way I'm remembering it is Robin was the one who was solving the riddles. In this one, he's always scratching his head going, what? And it's Batman who solves all the riddles. You know, yeah, I I don't know. I just would have liked it if they would have kept that in because it would have shown that in some aspect, Robin is smarter than Batman. Do you have anything else to say about this one before we move on to our scores? Um, I think I'm done. Okay, what did you give Night of the Ninja? I gave that a 6.5. Okay, I gave that one a 5. What did you give Cat Scratch Fever? <laughs> originally, uh, originally I had it as a 3, but I'm oh. bumping it all the way down to 2. Yay! We agree on that one. So it's worse than... I'm glad than... I can help you change your mind. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you did. That episode's... Oh my god, it's just so terrible, it kills me. It's like, I'd seriously rather watch Christmas with the Joker than I would Cat Scratch Fever, and I mean that. Oh, oh amen. <laughs> okay, Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne? I give that a 7. I give that one a 6. And I bumped that up from a 5, just so you know. Okay. Um, Heart of Steel, I gave an 8. What did you give that one? I gave it a 6. And last but not least, uh, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? That one I gave a 6.5. I gave that one a... Ooh, what did I give this one? I have done a 6, and then I have done a 7 with a question mark. I'll give this one a 7. I may revisit, revisit that score down the line, but for now I'll give it a 7. Do I look stressed out to you? You? Get out of town! Exactly. I think I need a vacation. Episodes of World's Finest Podcast can be downloaded through iTunes, from Earth2.net, and from worldsfinestpodcast.com. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Again, that's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. And don't forget to visit our forums, which can be found at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss five more episodes from Batman the Animated Series, those being Joker's Wild, Tiger Tiger, Moon of the Wolf, Day of the Samurai, and Terror in the Sky. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. (laughs) 